There is so much wrangling and ballyhoo about theology. What is God like, really? How does he relate to us and interact with us? What is the kingdom of God, anyway? In this episode, Jesus is Perfect Theology. Well, you are fortunate, my friend, blessed and highly favored. In this episode, we resolve for all time, all theological issues. Welcome to Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode 14. The belief here is that Jesus knows how life works best. See the show notes page for this episode at JesusSmart.com. You know, I love the convergence of theology, solid academics, and the power of the Holy Ghost in the now. What you're about to hear is a conversation with Jake Veach. He's a staff pastor at Bethel Cleveland with senior pastors Steve and Cindy Witt. He's also the director of the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, Cleveland. BSSM Cleveland is a nine-month program designed to equip you with the core values of the kingdom, establish identity, and introduce you to a lifestyle of walking in the power of God. In this episode, we talk about Jesus Christ as perfect theology. Now, that's a powerful statement. Yet he is the embodiment of truth. He carries the kingdom of God. He perfectly conveys the nature of the Godhead to us. And here's an insight that we can run with far and fast. The more understanding we have of who Christ really is to us, the more we will understand our identity, will be empowered to experience our best life in the larger story that Jesus is writing. And there's more. In the conversation, we discuss supernatural guidance. I like to think of it as God intel. Spiritual gifts for today, the abilities of Jesus distributed throughout the body of Christ on earth, plus how challenging times are actually a blessing. Friend, it's in the challenging times that we discover more of who Jesus is to us and who he can be through us. Here's a simple prayer we can pray without ceasing. Holy Spirit, show me more and more who Jesus is. Disclose to me everything that he has for me and through me. I enjoyed my time with Jake. Here's our conversation. Okay, we are super motivated to be here today with Jake Veach, and we think that the discussion, the conversation, this is not an interview, it's a conversation uh, about some uh, Christology, some, some good theology about Jesus Christ, how he is the perfect revelation of the Godhead in Christ, and what that means for your life. This is very important. There's going to be important takeaways. I'm challenging you to... Um, you know, really think deep, press into some uh, some theology here, and you're going to see the benefits of it. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm excited for this. This is going to be fun. All right, Jake. Jake, I appreciate you. I love some of the things I'm hearing from you. Before we dive into this about Jesus Christ and about his kingdom and how it, how it really plays into our own lives and gives us a revelation of ourselves in our place in the kingdom, um, can you just give us just a Give us the skinny on your background and what's brought you to this point, and uh, we just want to hear some context about your about your life, okay? Yeah, so I'm I'm originally a, a West Coaster. I grew up in Seattle, and uh, grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor, and uh, my mom was very involved in the church. And grew up uh, under a pew, and oh. um, you know, so the you know first one there, last to leave, and I absolutely love it. I fell in love with the church, and uh, grandparents were missionaries, and. 
you know, before that they were uh, church planters, and so there's a, there's a bit of a, a heritage that I I feel like I'm I'm honored to step into, yeah. you know, in in, in our family, and uh, so when I was uh, getting out of high school and looking at where to where to go and continue my education, I ended up down in Redding, California at uh, Bethel Church, mm-hmm. uh, the school of ministry, and jumped into the first year program. And uh, God really started to open my eyes to the the working of the Holy Spirit, the personal encounter with the Lord, uh, opening scripture to me in a, in a brand new way. And I met my, that's where I met my wife. We met during the, the first year. Her name's Katie. And uh, we got married in between our first and second year of, uh, of ministry. And continue to do second and third year together. Is she from the West and, Coast too? Um, no, she's she's the opposite end. She's from South Carolina. All right, South Carolina. So I'm married Southern a girl. Southern girl, and she can cook. Which All right, is, uh, man, she she blows me away. So we uh, once we were done with school, I stayed on to uh, help pastor and, and teach at the school of ministry out in California. Did you? Okay. And uh, I was there for uh, about seven years on on staff. Really? And, what did you uh, teach there? I worked in the in the second year school ministry, which dealt mostly with uh, leadership, team dynamics, uh, obviously going deeper into identity and revival culture, culture of honor, and um, you know. So we we had a lot of fun with that. You know, second that year school is a has bit a big of footprint, a, doesn't it? It's making an impact. It does. I mean, they're they're reaching all over the planet. People from all over the world are. You know, we would have students that just sold everything and would move to Reading for a couple of years just to get closer mm. to the Lord. And um, it, it's absolutely incredible what God's doing there. So when they, uh, Chris, Chris Valton and, and Gabe uh, had the idea to um, get me connected out here with, with Cleveland, they had a great relationship with, with Pastor Steve Witt. And uh, Steve was looking for somebody to step in and uh, continue to run the school. His daughter, Lauren, had done a great job of getting it started. And uh, so I started to have some conversations with Steve and pretty pretty quickly, we uh, Cleveland, you know, came up on our map, and and we've been out here for about four years now. What did uh, you feel? Did you feel a draw to Cleveland? Was it a sense of calling? How how you know, would you articulate that? Honestly, my first my first reaction was that's not going to happen. We're we're not going to Cleveland because <laughs> I I'd, I'd never been to Ohio, and I didn't know I didn't know what to expect with that. Uh, but God gave me a dream. I had a I had a dream the night before uh, they presented Cleveland as an option to my wife and I. And in the dream, I was in a I was in a city that was by the water, and I drove into the city. I got out of the car, and you know, in dreams, you just kind of know what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so I got out of the car and I start running through the city. And uh, you, I the Lord starts to give me revelation in the dream that you know it's a city that's had had hard times, but is being revived, and there's economic growth that's coming. And and I got to a stadium, to a baseball stadium, and the Lord said, "You need to pray." And so when we came out, we came out to visit to check everything out. Uh, they were giving us the tour of the city, and they took us by Jacobs Field, mm-hmm. by the Indian Stadium. And I leaned over to my wife in the backseat of the car. I said, "That's." That's the stadium I saw in my dream. It That's resembled this, what you saw in the dream. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And it was this moment, this confirmation from the Lord of, you know, his hands on this. And uh, so th- through through a handful of other uh, things that happened, we we really felt the Lord on on the transition. 
And uh, I mean, we didn't know anybody out here, but he's been really faithful to surround us with great community and a great team. Mm-hmm. And um, we're we're loving it. We, we're oh, really I know the kingdom Cleveland. of Ron here is glad you guys are here. <laughs> That's interesting. So God can lead through dreams. He can lead through visions, right? Yeah. Uh, language oh, yeah. And he's still and speaking and visuals and yeah, yeah. Some 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 Christians are kind of challenged with that. What would you say to them? Yeah, I I think that we have to look at why. Why do we think that uh, the Lord would speak a certain way to the majority of, of human history and then all of a sudden stop? You know, we sometimes we read through Scripture and we, we see, you know, stories of him talking to Daniel through dreams. And, you know, he, he's giving, uh, you know, he's talking to Abraham and giving him instruction. And he's talking to uh, Paul. He has an encounter with, with the Lord on, on uh, the side of the road. Yeah. And you know, all throughout Scripture, we we see these amazing encounters that mm. people have with God, where He gives them information, He, he challenges them, He encourages them, and uh, and I, I think He's still speaking today. It's the same God that was active then is active now. Yeah. Why has it stopped? I mean, I think one of the high values on this emerging podcast is that Jesus Christ has the best information for your life. Oh yeah. And He hasn't. You know, it's, He doesn't just like speak only through the Bible. Yeah. Not outside of the framework or the context of Scripture, right? Certainly within the spirit and the framework and the general messaging of Scripture, it would never certainly be in violation or contradicting Scripture, but that he has the highest and best information. Yeah, I mean, we have a relationship with the God of the universe that created everything that we see and holds it all together. And yeah. it would only make sense that we we tune in and see what he has to say. Right. We may come back to that, I'm sure. And what is your role now with, this is like a BSSM, uh, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry extension, yeah. right? On the eastern part of the country or the Midwest, Great Lakes area? Yeah. So we, as a church, we, we've we uh, been really blessed and we really enjoy a great relationship with Bethel Reading. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've uh, been running with them for, for quite some time. And as part of that relationship, we, uh, we planted a school, kind of a, a branch of the BSSM uh, school here in Cleveland. And so I, I came in to uh, help um, run that, to run the school, to direct the school. And we're seeing some absolutely incredible things happen through the students. You know, God's touching them in powerful ways. Uh, the community around them is being touched in powerful ways. And, uh, you know, God is, God's doing miracles every, a, every day. Sort of a highlight, a story or a testimony of a student that may come to mind. Yeah. You know, uh, uh this was just a, a couple years back here. One of our students, uh, he's a very active part of the, the church, wonderful, wonderful young man. He was at out at dinner at uh, a local restaurant, and he had a word of knowledge for his waitress. And so he gave the word of knowledge to the waitress, and she was really touched by it. They began to prophesy over her. And I believe she, I think it was her that was the first one that got, got healed. They asked if they could pray. She had pain in her body. And uh, you know, they, as they prayed, the pain went away. And as this was, this interaction was happening, the tables that were around them were getting interested. You know, they're, they're trying, they're kind of looking over and figuring out what's going on. Hmm. And uh, so they start asking questions like, well, what was, what was that? What were you doing? And they say, oh, well, we just asked God what he wanted to say. And we, we uh, told her what we heard. And so they got really interested. So they start asking, well, can you do that? Can you do that to me? Can you, can you tell, tell me what you think he's saying to me? See that? People and, are open uh, to the spiritual. Yeah. So they start prophesying over them. And there's an atheist sitting at, one of, at this table. Oh, wow. And uh, all these people start getting touched by the students that are sitting around this table. And the atheist, he stands up in the restaurant and says, guys, something is happening over here. These guys are praying for people and they're getting healed. If you have a need in your <laughs> life or in your body, you need to come wow. and let these guys pray for you. 
And so in the middle of this restaurant, an atheist organized an altar call. It was now that it, is the craziest experience. Pretty amazing. Yeah, he organized them into lines, and he, he said, "What if you need something? Why don't you come up and get prayer?" And they had they had people rededicating their life to the Lord That's there amazing. in the restaurant. They had people receiving prophetic words and in tears, people's bodies being healed. And it's just because you know we carry we carry Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit inside of us everywhere that we go. Mm-hmm. So everywhere that we are, whether it's a restaurant or the four walls of the church, God is there with us. So what is that? A word of knowledge? I I mean I know it to be one of the nine charismata or spiritual yeah. gifts, right? Listed in Corinthians by Paul. How would you define a word of knowledge? I think I think a word of knowledge. It's it's a way that God. It's a gift that God uses in in the uh, body of Christ to uh, to help people know that there's they're seen that He recognizes need, and then to bring a moment of divine intervention. Yeah. And so when I mentioned now has that stopped? What would you say to people who yeah. said, "Well, that stopped when the New Testament canon was formed, or yeah. that stopped in ninety or one hundred A.D." You know, in Ephesians, where it talks about the the fivefold ministry and the gifts of the apostles and prophets and pastors, evangelists and teachers, and and uh, you know, we we see roles of miracle worker workers and healing and you know all of this. You know, Paul says, you know, these these gifts will be given to the church until the fullness of Christ has been developed in you. And you know, I I last I checked, the fullness of Christ hasn't been developed yet. You know, the fullness of of uh, of that we haven't fully seen. And so I think. You know, Jesus gave the disciples instructions to go and to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse lepers, and to cast out demons. And that's a commission that, as as the body of Christ, we carry today. Yeah, I'm reminded, too, of the scripture in 1 Corinthians. You know, 1 Corinthians is all about spiritual gifts. Really, Paul bringing some training, right, and correction to the early Corinthian church. Not to stop using the gifts, but to use them correctly and to, yeah. and, and to, and to source them in love, yeah. right? and an integrity of relationship. But right at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 1, 7, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. The revelation meaning his second coming. And so to me, these gifts are supposed to be active throughout the church age uh, until Christ comes again. Yeah. And so I don't, okay, but but go right ahead. That's just. Yeah, well, I mean, and I, th- I think, you know, we see, we see moves of God all through history where, where God uses individuals and companies of people in mighty ways, you know, to see the kingdom of heaven displace the kingdom of darkness. And, uh, you we know. Need them. We need the gifts. Absolutely. We need these assets from heaven, these supernatural capacities to be operative. Yeah, it's part of the spirit, the spirit filled life, you know, the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the, the preaching of the gospel, the salvation of souls, sure, and uh, you know, getting getting rid of the effects of the fall and the enemy on on the planet. That we get to partner with God to see the strongholds of the enemy torn down. That being sickness and disease, and as well as many other things, and and really see heaven touch earth. Mm-hmm. So the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry here in the really the Midwest area, Cleveland based. Um, what is a way that they can contact if, if somebody's of any interest? Yeah. I know you have some students who um, come from um, surrounding states. We do, yeah. We have students that uh, that uh, commute in and come in from from quite quite a, a distance from Pennsylvania and from Indiana and uh, surround, surrounding states as well as you know distant cities and and it's and that's been a lot of fun because they they come and they they get set on fire by the power of the Holy Spirit and they take it back to their churches. And uh, so, you know, a way to, the way to get connected would be through our website, uh, uh, bssmcleveland.com. 
uh, you can go there okay. and find out more about us. Sure. And, they could yeah. e- they could contact you through yeah, contact my page email's there. on there. Your and, email's there. Yeah. Okay. Jake Veach. My understanding is about 20 or 25 years ago, it seems like a trend line within the church at large, church with a capital C, is that some educational programs being developed, which are church-based, you know, not as a, as a replacement to like college or seminary, but perhaps supplemental too. Yeah. Or corollary too. I mean, I've been to college. You've been to college. I, I spent some time in graduate school. I know you're tracking that way too. And um, do you have students who already have degrees who then come into BSSM? Yeah. Or maybe students who come into BSSM and then go on to get degrees. Or maybe the, maybe they'll never get a degree as such. But it, it, it's just a, applicable to a number of um, uh, students, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. You know, sem- seminary uh, is a, is an absolutely wonderful tool, and uh, we we encourage our students that if they if they feel called into the pastorate, they feel called into into that form of ministry, to uh, to go on and continue that education there. Yeah. We also believe that you know there is no there there it, there is no division in uh, ministry as far as what we're called to. That there there's no secular secular and sacred. That the doctor. Uh, working with his patients is just mm-hmm. as much called by God Absolutely. as the as the pastor in the pulpit, and you know so the school really does uh, try and give opportunity for people who they they might they may want to be writers or medical field or love it. Uh, you know whatever whatever field it is to to go and you know, I'm going to get practically trained in how to work in the power of the Holy Spirit. I love it, Jake. Fantastic. It's a beautiful thing. You can have several different kinds of affiliations in your life as you're being developed right in Christ terms of even like the educational space, right? You could have a numbers of different educational experiences. We would encourage you to look at that. So Jake, um, I, one of the concerns on my heart and I, I know on yours as well is that it, it, the, the, the clear representation of God in the person of Jesus Christ, right? Uh, Jesus Christ perfectly demonstrates and, and, and uh, conveys to us, communicates who the Godhead is, the father, but as well as the Holy Spirit. Um, What's uh, what's resonating in your heart along these lines, and let's begin to discuss this important area. Yeah, you know, I I, I have a, a passion for uh, people coming into a not only a relationship but a ongoing uh, encounter with Jesus, uh, both through Scripture, through the power of the Holy Spirit and community, uh, but to to see Jesus uh, as He really is and to be transformed by His nature. And, uh, you know, I think that there are, there are things that we can do, things that the Lord does in our life that are, are meant to demonstrate to us what he's like. You know, we, are, we obviously have the accounts in scripture that, that uh, give us, you know, detailed interactions that Jesus is having with his disciples and with the Pharisees and with the culture around him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we know that, that in Jesus we see the perfect representation of what the Father is like. You know, when, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and they ask him, you know, when, when are you going to show us the Father? You know, he tells them, how can you ask me this? You know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's right. And the writer of Hebrews in the first chapter, he, he goes on to, to say that Christ is the perfect representation mm-hmm. of, of the Father. So I think in Jesus, we, we see not only our best representation of what God the Father is like, but we see uh, our representation of what God has always been like. And I think sometimes this can be this can be helpful and sometimes confusing for people as they okay. read through Scripture All right. and they read through the Old Testament and they go, "Well, I, I don't fully understand you. Is God is God punishing people? Is He mad? Or what is God like?" Yeah. And because uh, as a church, we talk about the love of Christ that draws us and His kindness that leads to repentance. And 
I, I think, you know, for us as, as believers, it's important that we, we realize that Jesus is what God has always been like. He is what the Father has always been saying. I think of that verse in John 1.18 where John says, you know, no man has seen God at any time, but the Son or Jesus has perfectly, depending on your translation, declared him or explained him to us, you know. And it's interesting, if you're interested in Greek, I don't know enough Greek to even pretend to be a Greek expert on the internet, but, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, there are tremendous uh, resources available to really help you dig into the original language. And that, that word there is actually um, exegesis. He has perfectly exegeted the Father to us, which means to, out of the true nature of the Father, he has explained him instead of like us doing our eisegesis into Jesus, reading into him what we erroneously think him to be. So allowing the text, allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate the text and uh, to, to, to speak to us and allowing Jesus to exegete the true Father's nature to us. Yeah, you know, in John, in John 1, you know, where it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, mm-hmm. John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Then over in verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. And we saw his glory as the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace right. and truth. I think that, you know, when we, it's important that we, we realize, you know, sometimes we, we can read this and because we refer to scripture as the word of God, sometimes we can, we can read through and think, okay, well, this is, this is the, the scripture is the totality of what God is saying. And I think it's, it's important that we realize that Christ is the, is the word, you know, he is the embodiment of who God is. And, you know, we see back in, in Genesis where God spoke and there was light, you yeah. know, in, in Colossians and in John, it both, both says that all things were created for him. It was all for Jesus in Jesus and are held together by Jesus. Right. And, you know, when, when we look at, uh, Christ as the word, we see that in his nature, that he is creative. He is creative in his nature because he is the, he is the word of God that was spoken and came into being. I, uh, it's part of a, a larger, um, you know, message and, and series, but I think, you know, Jesus is, you know, when it says, when Jesus says, uh, I only did what I saw my father doing and I only said what I heard my father saying, I don't think that's only, I, I think that is in part because he is what the father is saying. He was the word of God that was spoken at the very beginning. Now, what would you say to those who are like, you know, we are like post-reformation now. There was a great return, sola scriptura. You know, for those who are really into church history, and maybe they come from other theological streams, which are reformed or something. You know, the sufficiency of Scripture, yeah. this this kind of thing. And while we certainly appreciate that reclamation, that recl- reclaiming of the Scripture, you know, Martin Luther and the other reformers and the people didn't have access to the Scriptures, and, and the emphasis upon, you know, Martin Luther would say sola scriptura, only the Scriptures, and not only like the tradition of the Catholic, the medieval Roman Catholic Church yeah. as being a teaching authority, we must return to the, how do we do this? How do we maintain a very high view of the scripture, you know, like a verbal plenary view of scripture, you know, and also what you're saying that Jesus is the living word, that God is actually saying more to us than are in these 66 books of the Bible. And I potentially need to clarify okay. you know, that. I, I'm just well. hearing people yeah. out there that are going to be thinking in yeah. this way. And yeah, so go, yes, go right that's ahead. That's great. Yeah. 
you know, I, I think you God obviously he will not violate scripture and he'll never say he's not going to say anything that that is outside of scripture. You know, I, I think that it's important to realize that Christ being being what is spoken to man, him being the embodiment of the word of God, that when we accept Christ as our savior and we come into union with Christ, that, that his nature as the word of God, it dwells within us. Yep. And the same way that in the beginning he spoke and there was light, he speaks to us today and he creates inside of us uh, the ability to follow him. And so when he, when he speaks to us and says, you know, I've, I have uh, made you clean through my blood, he is, he's creating a reality inside of us where we get to be clean. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's emphasizing what's in Scripture, mm-hmm. Yeah, not speaking what's outside of Scripture. Oh, of course not, you know? no. Yeah. I know you think that way. I just want to yeah. discuss great, that. It's a great and, clarification. Yeah. Um, the air, you know, we can make an error in two different directions here. You know, we can make an error where we just kind of get away from the text of the book. Yeah. And we're all off into just too much emphasis upon spiritual gifts or, or what we sense the Lord is saying to us. Or we can make an error where we're so embedded in the book and we're not open to the spiritual gifts and that God is speaking today and that revelation by its nature is progressive it builds over time. Um, I'm thinking of Jesus. He asked his disciples in Matthew 16, who are they saying that I am out there? Yeah. Who are people understanding me to be? Yeah. And, of course, they gave some various answers that the populace, right, was, was saying about Jesus and who they thought he was. Then he said, but who do you say that I am? You know, famous account there of Peter, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. He proclaims him to, to be the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then Jesus commends him, hey, the Father has revealed this to you. You didn't get this from the natural plane. Yeah, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Flesh and blood did not reveal yeah. this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he says to you, I say to you that you are Peter. And he goes on, talks about the keys of the kingdom. What are your thoughts on that passage there? That's a core passage, isn't it, Matthew 16? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And it's been interpreted many different ways, uh, you know, throughout throughout uh, history. You know, there's been contention on, is is Peter the rock? You know, upon this rock I will build my church and, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against yeah. it. Or is it the revelation that, that Peter expresses, you know, that you are the Christ, the son of the living God? And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's an important it's important for us that, that um, we recognize the cel- the celebration that came from Jesus towards Peter when he recognized who Jesus was, that he was the the Son of the Living God, that he was the Christ, he is the Messiah, and uh, you know I think it's important for us that we we have moments where we uh, we get to recognize who Jesus is to us, mm. and where we experience him as. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the Living God. You are. You're my Redeemer. You're my Provider. You are my Comforter. You are. You know, my Sustainer. In you, I find life. And I think, I think we all, at different seasons of our life, have to, have to answer that question for ourselves. We have moments where we're faced with things that seem to challenge our theology. Okay. It challenges our circumstance, our you know, our comfort, and you know, in in those moments. Uh, you know, the fear that can come up or the anxiety that can rise when, when we're in a hard financial season um, can force us to answer the question, who do I say that Jesus is to me? Because who I, who I allow him to be to me is who he'll be through me. You know, mm-hmm. and so if I... Who that I allow him to be to me is who he can be through me. Right yeah. To the world around me. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I, you know, if I don't believe him to be my provider, if I don't see him as Jehovah Jireh, 
you know, then, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to approach him as if he is the God who wants to provide for me, mm-hmm. you know, but I have to, I have to, uh, come, come to terms with who, who is he to me? Is he, is he the God that's going to provide for me? Is he a loving father? And, uh, and sometimes our circumstances can challenge that, but I think it's an invitation it's a, for it's us. It's an opportunity. Yeah. To, to step in and say, you know what? I'm drawing a line in the sand. He is God, my provider. Right. Having like a, like a resolve and a, and a strength of will in faith that I am going to stand on the revelation of who God is to me through Christ. Absolutely. I'm not going to allow my, my own feelings, my emotions, or my circumstances to dictate to me who God is or not, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or, or, or even others yeah. around me who, let's just say they're not tuned into the voice signature of, of, of God like they should be. Yeah. And they may be mis- misrepresenting his nature to us. Yeah. You know, I, I think we, we cultivate, um, areas of authority of our, in our life in, uh, seasons of difficulty. And so when we go through things, we have the opportunity to cultivate different realities, uh, different truths. And so, you know, if we take finances as an example, because it's easy to demonstrate (laughs) if, if I am in a, a a hard financial season, I don't know where my next, the, where the next paycheck's going to come from. Maybe I lost my job and I'm, I'm the sole provider for my family. And I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to figure out how this is all going to come together in the midst of that season, in the, in the waiting for a breakthrough from the Lord and through breakthrough financially, if I, if I cultivate fear and anxiety where that's, that's my go-to experience. So I go, man, I just don't know what to do. So I'm going to, I'm getting anxious and I'm yeah. afraid. That can be deeply scripted in you, right? It's oh, like a yeah. groove that you default back to yeah. like automatically. Yeah. And you know, when, when we do that, we cultivate, we cultivate that in our life. And so later when the Lord brings somebody in our path that is going through a season like that. What do you mean you cultivate that? Are you saying that we... Like when you cultivate something, you kind of yeah. water it. Yeah, that's a great, and you're that's a great question. And you're causing it to grow, and it, it, it's like it starts taking up space in your life. You have a lot of lack, right? Is, is yeah. that what you're saying? I think by cultivate, I have a core belief that we get to choose what we empower in our thoughts mm-hmm. and in our emotions. Okay. That I'm not a victim to what I feel. All right. And I'm not a victim to what I think. You know, Paul says to take every thought captive and bring it under submission to Christ. And so if, I am in a, if I'm in that season of lack and I find myself feeling anxious and fearful— I have the opportunity to, to empower that, to give that my affection and my attention, or to go, I'm going to instead, instead of moving in that train of thought, I'm going to take my affection and put it towards the Lord as I know he will provide for my needs. I know that he is the God that protects me, that, that keeps me, that, you know, he, he will provide. That's right. And I cultivate uh, momentum. Momentum. Yeah, I build momentum. In truth and in yeah. the spirit. And you kind of give space for kingdom expression, right? Yeah. Through even momentum of understanding and revelation and practice. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we, too, many, too often we, um, we feel victim to the waves of emotion that we feel instead of making conscious decision to say, you know, I'm just because I feel it doesn't mean that it's the reality that I'm going to empower. Okay. You know, there's, there is a higher reality than what I feel sometimes. Yeah. I might feel like I'm alone, but the, re- the truth is I'm never alone. I may feel like I'm in lack, but the truth is that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3 that all things are yours. Yeah. And you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to the Father. 
He told the Corinthians, all things are yours. The world, life, the future, death, everything is yours. Yeah. So it's, it's an amazing statement. Now, we may not be a billionaire, and we may never be a billionaire, but it does. It's, it, all things are still yours somehow in yeah. God's economy and in God's, in God's ways. I think if you, if you look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they're standing before Nebuchadnezzar, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, he's, he's telling them, listen, I, you, I, you have to bow down and worship me. If you don't, I'm throwing you into the fire. <laughs> And, you know, they, they tell him, you know, look, that's, that's not going to happen. And, you know, the Lord is able to deliver us out of your hand. And they say, they say something that's absolutely incredible. They say, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we will never bow. And there's this sense that, you know, they, they are making a choice to say, what I'm going to cultivate in my life is faith. And I will choose faith over fear. There's an opportunity to be afraid of the fire and to allow that fear to make the decision for them and say, well, I don't have a choice. I'm, I'm going to be afraid and I'm going to bow. Or, but they, they choose, they say, even if he doesn't come through, I would rather die in faith that he's a, the God that is able to deliver me than to, to, to die in fear. Friend, we like opportunities, but challenging times are opportunities too. An opportunity to discover more of who Jesus is to you and through you. I really value what Jake said. We have opportunities to cultivate authority about something. We can then live in that authority moving forward. Plus, we can bring the value of that authority to others. Isn't that good? As we quest after Jesus and seek first his kingdom, we get clearer on who we are and all that we need is added to us. Thanks, Jake, for your life and ministry. Blessings on your family. Appreciate you. And thank you for rating, reviewing, and following this podcast. It helps others discover the content. Plus, it keeps you connected. Visit JesusSmart.com to see the show notes page for this episode. As always, with Jesus, the horizon is brilliant. Make it a smart week, and all the best until next time. Oh,